When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. We're determined to get our old Norwich back. And do us a favour, if you do know a fan who might like the podcast, pass it on to them and send them a link. Now, coming up, have we been found out or have we been unlucky? We'll continue our review of the five key questions we've set for the season. And it's episode 50 of the new Old Norwich. And we're still in the 1950s for our memorable matches. So, Dad, we left the podcast last episode with have we beaten anyone and was Rotherham a blip? So where are we three games on from that? It seems to have got worse to me, John, but it's, I suppose it's quite easily to to overreact, especially to Saturday's uh, score. But if you go back then to the Stoke game, good first half, didn't take the chances. And so there was that issue that we, we've talked about before without Sergeant Webb, the girl's going to come from. Um, and the second half was poor, but we kept a clean sheet. Uh, that may have covered the cracks, but we held on. So, and, and I think you said a win's a win at mm. that time. So, um, I think everybody was thinking, well, yeah, perhaps Rotherham was a blip. Leicester, um, I didn't, I didn't watch that game at all. Um, I, I had the pleasure of watching that. Did you? <laughs> yeah. And as, you, as you know, I was in Europe, so it's uh... <laughs> the, Le- the Leicester, the Leicester second team. Outplayed, right. outplayed us. I thought. Yeah. I thought that. I think first half we we competed with them, right? But, but they were playing their second team. They'd made five changes to the team that had thrashed Southampton the the game before, right? And with the likes of Vardy on the bench, yeah. Um, and um, I, and I thought that they came out in the second half, Leicester, having got a penalty to to take the lead, um, and just up up the game. Yeah. And we could, we had chances. Again, we had a lot of chances. Yeah, as we pushed them in the second half. But if you don't, as you said, as you said against Stoke, if you don't convert those chances, then you don't win football matches. No. And 
I, I just got the impression from the Leicester game that they could, if even if we had have got a goal, yeah, to equalise, they yeah. could have they stepped they, it up, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. and I think they look the best team in the championship, um, very much at the moment. Obviously, they're flying high along with our local rivals, um, and Preston at the moment, but but they look like they have kept their squad as well, unlike Southampton. Yeah, and and they've worked out how they're going to get back up, and you score as we always say, you need to score goals and not let any goals in. So, yeah. I, I, having watched that game, it was a bit, it was disappointing, I think, because it felt like we didn't build on 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 the win against Stoke, yeah. um, and then we've gone into Saturday, and I and of course we lost Ashley Barnes from from Leicester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm not saying that Ashley Barnes is a, is a, is an amazing player because I'm not sure that he can either score or create anything. Um he he's very experienced and he's obviously played a part in the success that we've had this season already. Mm. Um but you then I I I wouldn't have expected having on watched that on Wednesday night to then look at the Plymouth score and go well we'll on Saturday we're going to get trounced 6-2. No, I, I didn't see that coming, even yeah. without Ashley Barnes. I think looking at the Leicester game myself, I was a bit over, uh, overall, I was disappointed with the result, which I think is sort of similar to what you're saying, really. I just thought it was fairly comfortable for them. And, and I know they're the oh, best yeah. team. I know they're the best team in the division, but you'd like to think at home and where we want to be, you'd like to think you pushed them a bit more. But that was sort of my feeling. I think they did. They did work hard, and they yeah. had chances. Norwich definitely had chances. Yeah. But the, and their goalkeeper made a, a worldly save. So, yeah, yeah. Towards yeah. the end, yeah. but when well, we were still one nil down, but yeah. th- they didn't do it. And then, I mean, I've watched the Plymouth Argyle goals. Uh, obviously, didn't go down to Plymouth. Um, I mean, you, you, a you can't be losing four nil at half time. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. Know, I don't know how you even get into that. From what I saw, I think uh, Duffy's had the worst game he's ever had for Norwich City. Yeah. Um, and I don't. I, he certainly was turned inside out for one of the goals. And also, I thought he didn't clear the ball. That's right. Ha- yeah. Halfway th- in his own half, when one player was running, and he and he kind of cleared it, but he didn't kick it out. And yeah. the guy went and got the ball, turned around, and then just ran and shot and scored. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think Gibson cleared the ball very well for the first one. So I think defensively, yeah, middle two, yeah, we, we looked really weak, and and them running at us, but then where's the protection in the midfield? And it goes back to that whole yeah. argument of McLean and Sarah are not the, when you are playing a team that can sweep through you, yeah. then having McLean and, and Zara as your midfielders are not good enough. They're not, yeah, they're not on. good enough. Um, but then to immediately come out in the second half and go five nil down, <laughs> where's the pride? Where's the pride? Where's yeah. the, I mean, I, 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 I in the Premier League at the weekend, I watched Sheffield United and Newcastle, yeah. and and the commentators, you know, Jamie Carragher and, and the like, were saying, as a player, you just have to stop the amount of goals that are going in because it's embarrassing. You don't want the embarrassment to be losing eight nil, nine nil, and and Norwich yeah. went five nil down to a team that yeah. got promoted last season. Yeah, I I think I think that's right. I thought that. I mean, if if you look at Sheffield United, you know. Um, they go up last year and sort of similar size club, if you like, to us, and then and and they lose six nil at home to Newcastle. But we're we're now 
way behind where Sheffield United are. Yes, <laughs> you yeah. know that's the that that you know from from um, twelve months ago or so. I mean, it it it, it does seem that we're uh, we we're, we're on the slide with that. I I, I just on, while we're talking about the Plymouth result, I mean, um, yeah. Shambolic were the words I thought for all the reasons you've said and just looking at those pictures. I was pleased though for Plymouth, John. You know, I've always had a uh, a natural liking for Plymouth. They they sort of in a, I've always thought they're in a similar situation to us in Norfolk. They're on the edge of Cornwall and uh, with with all that support and in Devon. And if I go back to my years in the sixties when Plymouth really were at the same level for for us, mm. I think we've had all that success and, and they've. Uh, struggle to do that so it's nice to see them back in that division I do think that manager got their tactics absolutely right on Saturday and really exploited our weaknesses they pinned I think that's why he went three at the back and pinned our two fullbacks back yeah um, and as you said and they you know the the way they ran at us I think he rested you know they they, they paid the price but they rested players during the week right and um, um, and and they played. Uh, Bali Mumba was rested, and you know he came back in, and um, and they paid the benefits. I take I take it. Was, I don't think it was ever going to be easy because they obviously had that really good run at home in the at the top of division uh, one last year, and I think they may have won even two out of their previous three home games. So I think they got a good home form, but um, but yeah, and I mean, it just it does. Just, just wonder where we go from here, really. I mean, yeah, and so the key questions for me are, why did we only use three substitutes? I mean, you're 5-0 down at the start of the second half. We only yeah. used... Uh, you, yeah. Arguably, if you're 4-0 down at half-time, you could take half the team off. Yeah. You take five players off and put five players on yeah. uh, at half-time and say, that was not good enough. Uh, so I don't understand as a manager, when you're allowed five substitutions and you, and you lose the game 6-2, you've used three substitutions. That, yeah. to me, shows that... The rest of the players on the on the bench, he's not interested in, and and yeah, and true, don't, and don't yeah. and don't don't think they're going to add anything to it. Um, so even and even that goes to, to that point of lack of depth, I think, John. I mean, whether it is you know he doesn't like, but whether that there is just a pure lack lack of depth there. He did change it at halftime, didn't he? Did did he bring Adam Forshaw? Yeah, no, he did. He bought he bought three players. He bought three players. Yeah, on. and he changed but, it by bringing that midfield. You know, which is your point about the midfield because. Um, yeah, uh, and he I'd presumably pushed Sarah. I think as well. I mean, the feedback I've or the comments that I've heard here, playing he almost replaced um, Sergeant and uh, Barnes with a Wang and Ida. Yes, <laughs> um, and a Wang apparently looked pretty lightweight. Yeah, because I thought when he came on against Leicester, he he yeah. uh, he he had the opportunity and he looked like he could lead the line. Right, I, mean, I think Adam Ida. I mean, he only scores when it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you're five nil down, and he scores yeah, a go- he scores a goal. It's a good it's a good goal. Good goal, yeah. But yeah. he only scores when you, when we're three nil up, yeah. Which was like the other game, or we're losing five yeah. nil. I want him to score like we needed Important him to score goals. against Leicester, Leicester to go one yeah. one. Yeah, that's what that's right. what he only scores goals when it really doesn't matter, and yeah. that and that to me is is a surefire sign that you're not a really good striker. Um, and I think. I understand what you mean about. I also think that the, the the other big question mark is the injuries that we've suffered, and we're still without Hanley. Obviously, Sergeant's now out. Now we don't know how long Barnes is out for. And 
is that just unlucky? And actually, is Wagner going to be an unlucky Norwich Man, manager? Yeah, yeah, quite, which we said. And um, um, unlucky managers as bad as a bad manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if but if you if if you've got, I mean, I didn't. I thought Stacey played well against Leicester. Um, yeah. But but him and Giannoulis, as you say, were out totally outplayed in in Plymouth. The whole defence was. Yeah. Well, and you've got McCallum on the bench. You've got other people on the bench. You you should change it. Yeah. To, just to try and give them some options. Now you could turn around and go, look, I don't want to throw McCallum on when we're five nil down. Okay. I I also can understand that. And you want the people who've got you in that position to try and dig you out of it. I, I can see that as well. But I think I think that big question that we always said was when Wagner came in last season and we went on that run yeah. and, we bit, and we beat Millwall and we thought, right, we're up and running. And then we yeah. went we went then one game in nine with a victory. Yeah. And I think the big question, and that, and that was, we always said at that point, well, they've worked us out. They know the system. Yeah. They've watched our matches. They can stop us. And if we don't score goals, we're not going to win football matches. And I think you could argue that probably Leicester and Plymouth have done exactly that. Yes. Yes. In in the last two games, and we have been shown up. I mean, I can't remember the last time he got hammered six two. Can you? I remember. No, in 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 the championship, it was nineteen ninety six. Right, wow. and the, and the only other time outside the Premier is seven was seven one against Colchester. Right, so it's that bad. It yeah. is, it's that it is bad. that bad. And pe- and actually, people are saying that and saying, well, you know, after Colchester we came back. Yeah, but after Colchester, we got we rid of the manager, manager. Yeah. and we had McNally in as we knew. We had a good boardroom with Boca had been brought in because of the finances. We were in a completely different situation to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Swansea to go well, Fulham in the in the cup, which I don't yeah. care. frankly, I don't care about. Yeah. I'm assuming, but I'm assuming the other thing with that. that, John, is two of those good wins that we had at the, the beginning of the season will be irrelevant by this week because we'll be knocked out of the cup. Won't we? Yeah, yeah, that's I, the point about that good run. I mean, two of those were good, good wins. Yes, against championship opposition yeah, away Bristol from City, home, Bristol yeah. City and QPR. Yeah. yeah, and probably in the league now, we won't probably go there and win. No, no. So we've got Fulham uh, in the yeah. in the in the cup, and then obviously Birmingham at home, yeah. which now has has a lot of uh, things riding on it. Mainly yeah. because I think Birmingham. Are having a good season as well. I mean, they they won in the last couple of games. But, no, um, no, but they start, they're a bit like us. They they're not they're not a bad side. Um, but and, but and it, what, what I think is really interesting is that we're now eighth in the table. Yeah, and we're eight points from second place. Yeah, so a big gap has already opened yeah. between and eight us points. Eight points from the bottom, John, and eight points from the third from bottom. Yeah. And that's how close it is. If you have a couple of wins in the championship, you'll be right back up the top. Yeah. If we carry on and keep, and like we've done, and we've now lost three in four, we've yeah. lost three matches in four, we could be down the, the the second half of the table within a number of weeks. And that's yeah. how close it is because there are so many, I couldn't believe it, Leeds United are ahead of us. I know. And actually, John, just building on from that, 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 uh, a that confirms that we we've thought all along we're a mid table side, yes, because <laughs> it is really um, yeah mid, right in the middle table. effectively, and yeah. also it means that it's it's not a brilliant start, it's not a good start anymore, no. it's an average start. We're mid table, and that's where we are. Yeah, we totally felt we had some good. Way. Don't get me wrong, we had some good wins which we celebrated at the beginning, you know, in the first few games. But overall, after eight games, it's no longer a good start. Yeah. Exactly. So let's go to our five key questions. Yeah. 
um, before we move on to our memorable matches and, and, and relive some glory days because it's been a, a bad weekend. I have so many messages from Norid from people who I haven't heard from for ages. <laughs> when you get a, a tonking like that. Yeah, absolutely. They all come out of the woodwork. Yeah, yeah exactly right. So, um, number one, where will Norwich finish? Well, I mean, I don't think either of us has got any reason to change what we thought. I mean, uh, you know, as I say, at the moment, the indications of mid-table, hopefully we'll, we, you know, it will not be as b- bad as this all the time. We'll pick up the odd wins and stuff. But uh, as for now, thinking about playoffs and uh, uh, with, with the injuries we've got, I can't... I. I, I can't see it being any difference to perhaps what we thought at the beginning of the season. No, so we're sticking with 12th and 10th. Yeah. So uh, I agree with that. Uh, obviously, uh, higher or lower than Ipswich? There, I mean, already eight points behind. My view is that Ipswich, just looking at the way they're playing, they're scoring goals, they, they're coming from behind. Um, I think they'll be in, in line for automatic. I think that could be an interesting um, fight between them, Leicester, Leeds, Fargus Leeds. That'll yeah. be interesting, won't it? Yeah, it would be. We'll uh, we'll see on that one. Um, yes, but what was he going to? I think the other thing with them, John, is you know that the stable club, ambitious owners, up and coming manager, you know, you compare that with us. Yeah, that's oh, the big difference. Yeah. No, no, I mean, yeah. you, you know, and they score goals and they score early and they get yeah. ahead of matches and yeah. Right, uh, Wagner. How long will uh, David Wagner last? You, uh, you originally <laughs> said Christmas. <laughs> Uh, and then right. you you poohooed that he won't be gone by Christmas last time, John, did you? <laughs> I still think it's unlikely. I still I still think he'll go by the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it does come back to this. I mean, we have now built a team around his way of playing. They've brought in experienced players. So, you know, last season it was, well, we, looked, we had those injuries. We didn't have much experience in there. We tried to cover that. The, the only worry is if he's been worked out, how 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 good will he be at reacting to that? He hasn't had a lot of success in recent years. I've still got my doubts. Yeah, I think I saw some quotes from him uh, talking about um, how pleased he was for Adam Eder to score a couple of goals. I mean, you're, you're clutching at straws there. I I was very I I I was I heard the interviews after the game. McLean obviously came out and he called it shambolic as well. Um, I wasn't all that impressed with Wagner at the end of that game. I didn't think. It, Made much of an impression on me at all, to be honest. No, I mean, if, if you're if you're relying on um, that kind of thing, yes. If you're relying ultimately, if you're relying on Adam Eder to get you promoted, ain't happening. No, it's, it's, it's not. It's literally not happening. And to be fair, if a Wang is not going to make up, that's all we've got for the next few yes. months, isn't it? That's yeah. the point. Exactly right. Yeah. The other point I was going to make, in, make John, is it goes back to what you said at the beginning of the season. I mean. It looks as if Russell Martin will not survive Southampton because they're not going to keep putting up with this for too long. No. But they're only three points behind us. <laughs> yes. You know, and they're in sort of disarray and they're just three points behind us. Yes. Yeah, no, it shows. I mean, as you say, we're eighth in the table, but we could be near the bottom or we could have, yeah. been, we could have been high at the top with, with the right results. Um, will Weber join Farker at Leeds? But he's still with us. <laughs> well, it, and and this this is the point, John. Because the point, what happens if we keep sliding? Now he appointed Wagner. Yeah. He's built a team around him. Yeah. Are we going to let him decide on whether Wagner should stay or and even his replacement? Well, you know what we we're drifting. Yeah. I mean, if 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 we keep sliding and someone has to make that decision whether he's going to stay or not, 
Why would you let Weber make that decision? I mean, his last two appointments had one. He, he's, he's, he's working his notice. This is what I mean about we're just we're just floating along. Yeah. And, and lacking direction. And, and, and the crunch will come if someone has to make a decision because obviously they set the stall out. As I said, they brought in Wagner, they built a team around him. If there's any indication that's not working, I don't think you can let um, Weber make that decision. Uh, I agree. And I think w- what will the Americans do, which is our final question, obviously we're waiting for October the 2nd yeah. for, the, for the deal to be ratified. And then ultimately, I think they will have to do something. Yeah, they, I will mean, have, that... they, will, they will have to say that Weber needs to go now and yeah. and, and pay him up. Yeah, I just, think you're just, right. Yeah. That, that has to come from there because, I mean, I as you know, I, I've received the 27 pages of the proposals that have gone to this AGM. I don't want to go into them today because, uh, um, you know, we'll wait and see what happened. There's no doubt in my own mind that um, that the previous proposals came out in February. They've spent the last um, six, eight months or so um, because, you know, they didn't go ahead as planned. Obviously, circumstances changed with us not really being in the fight for promotion. It's taken six months to come up with a new plan. I want to see now, um, I, th- I think when this goes before uh, the board at the beginning of October, I think it will be approved. But will the proposal go ahead? <laughs> you know, the last one didn't. Will this? Um, we'll, we'll have to keep our eyes on that because, again, if not, we're just drifting. Yeah, We're drifting at ownership level. We're drifting at sporting director level. Um, um, and no successful business or no, no business will be successful with that, with that going on. No, because effectively we don't have anyone running the club at the moment. No. no, no. And, that, and that's the... That's no, the, and they're all concentrating on what the ownership is going to be. Yes. Yeah. And, you, and you left Weber in charge. Uh, and, Who's and leading? He don't, you know, absolutely, he doesn't want... I mean, he really hasn't been wanted to be with us since he started climbing mountains. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, I think there's a Sound of Music song. Anyway. We'll climb every mountain. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah, a, 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 look, a disappointing uh, few games we have. Uh, as I say, Fulham to come, um, then Birmingham, then Swansea, then Coventry, and we'll keep an eye on uh, whether the blip becomes a... Um, crisis. Crisis. There we go. <laughs> Good word. Uh, This is the new Old Norwich. Stay with us. Our Norwich City memorable matches coming up next. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. Uh, You can get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter. Track us down at John Cushing, at Peter Cushing, if you uh, uh, want to have your say on uh, what we've been talking about uh, earlier on in the episode, that uh, things need to, decisions need to be made, really, from uh, the football club's point of view. But we will... 
spend the rest of this episode talking about our memorable matches. And it is episode 50, and we're in the 1950s, and we're talking about the FA Cup, that first uh, amazing storyline that most Norwich City fans will know about, the 1959 Cup run in the FA Cup, all the way through to the semi-finals, from the first round to the semi-final. And in the last episode, if you missed it, we talked about the wins over Ilford, about the Swindon matches, and we were just then drawn with the mighty Manchester United. That's that's right, John. That's a good uh, a good summary. Just also in that episode, if you remember, we also covered the fact a couple of background points really about the that was the beginning really of when games were played in under floodlights. Yeah. And I think you, you asked me a couple of questions about that about um, um, kickoff times. Yes. And floodlights. Actually, when I researched it. Um, Floodlights for sporting occasions actually started in 1878 for a game of polo. Oh, wow. So they were about, and even in, in 1930s, Arsenal had floodlights, but they were banned by the Football League. The Football League did not allow them until 1956. And the first, uh, the first game under lights in the league was Portsmouth versus Newcastle at Fratton Park in February 1956. So that was only just a few months before we had that. Yeah. Floodlights. So we once the football league got rid of the ban, Norwich sort of introduced them. So that's the background to that. You also said without floodlights about Saturday afternoons and kickoff times. Yeah. Do, do you know why games traditionally kicked off at three p.m.? Well, the factories would have been shut at lunchtime. The factories were closed at Saturday afternoons, but also with the licenses, ours the pub the pubs closed at two thirty and didn't reopen till five. Of course, right. So you fitted it in between the pub times. Gotcha, right. For the men. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. <laughs> um, my, my, my research in about, I mean, certainly up in Scotland and possibly in the north of England, they, they did move their times. I, I hasn't really been clear about whether that was done across the piece. As I said, my memories, I can't really remember it being, but, but certainly in Scotland and that they moved them to 2.15 and... Yeah, right. And things yeah. like that. So, um, so okay. anyway, that just fills that background. But you're right. So we now got to the stage where third round of the Cup, January 1959, um, to face Manchester United's Busby Babes. And at that time, they were the most famous and dominant club in the country. Their reputation for developing youngsters and for exciting attacking displays had caught the public imagination. And Matt Busby used to say to that team, you know, you've got people who work in factories all week. They want their excitement. We need to give it to them. And that's uh, the way they played. Mm. This was the team that had won the league title in 1956 by 11 points and a team with an average age of 22 years, won the title again in 1957 and became the first English team to compete in the European Cup, the forerunner of the Champions League. Now, that tournament had been established in 1955 and United's participation was despite the objections of, again, the Football League, who felt it was not in the best interests of the English games for the English teams to participate. Right. Chelsea had not been allowed to appear in the previous years, the first year's competition. So Manchester United went against uh, the Football League and participated. And in their... Um, their first season in the in the European Cup, they reached the semi-finals of the competition. And then in their second season, early 1958, they reached the same stage, beating Red Star Belgrade 5-4 on aggregate to reach the semi-final um, again in the, Euro in the European Cup. But obviously, for the, uh, 
at that time to play those matches in midweek, they relied on air travel mm. at a time when air travel really was still in its infancy. Um, and just as an example, John, I can tell when I left school in 1964, I knew nobody who'd been on a plane, an aeroplane. No, right. So that just shows again uh, the, the difference. And because that was the early days of flying, to get back from Belgrade, they had to stop off to refuel in Munich. Yeah. And you, know, you can tell where I'm coming to here because I can still remember that afternoon of 6th of February 1958 so clearly. Um, I was, uh, had a hospital appointment in the, uh, on the Thursday afternoon, went with my dad, um, came out of the hospital, and in those days before... Um, transistor radios or phones or no TV screens in hospitals. The only way you picked up the news when you were out by the fly sheets from the, the people selling newspapers. And I was with my dad and we saw the headline, Manchester United plane had crashed. Now, in the snow at Munich, the plane, its third attempt, it tried, tries to take off and couldn't do it, the players, and then they all went back. They thought they were going to have to stay overnight. But they tried once more and crashed and claimed the lives of eight players, including the captain, an England player, Roger Byrne, England centre-forward Tommy Taylor, and the 21-year-old Duncan Edwards, who was considered to be the best footballer of his generation. Mm. Um, two more players, apart from that, were so seriously injured they never played again. And of the nine journalists who accompanied the team, only one survived. So... Basically, I was. I mean, you're a, a newsman, John, and, and you know you'll appreciate the media was different then. There was just one TV channel, no all day coverage. A lot of people didn't even have TVs. Mm. But I think you can imagine how the story sort of unfolded over that period. First of all, I mean, they were England players, they were young players. There was the return of the bodies, which were kept at the club's gymnasium. The funerals were thousands lining the streets. Um, the serious injuries to the ma manager, Matt Busby, who was given the last rights twice and couldn't return home to England for 71 days. Mm. And then the death of Duncan Edwards 15 days after the crash. Can you imagine what that publicity was like over that time? Yeah, it was no. a national tragedy, there's no doubt about it. And I think that's the thing that uh, in, in today's world, it's very difficult to, to look back on it. But I think... The impact that it, that it obviously had in the whole country, yeah, it it, it, it makes and you know there's still a lot of um, you know chanting going on about it and football fans are football fans and I'll say what they say but I think it is one of those moments where I think any everybody now has been on a plane pretty much so you you yeah. you, you you can imagine what it would be like or in your head what it could be like and yes. i think i think that's why it's 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 a story that that reaches so many people and that's why ultimately manchester united became the, the club that it that it is now it and, is yeah, that's right absolutely is, so many people had a soft spot for it because of what it went through i mean can particularly you imagine, those those people alive at the time i think yeah, yeah that was yeah but can you imagine a football team falling out of the sky now you think yeah. how many times they fly. I mean, some people fly like Arsenal, fly in Newcastle. Yeah. Um, well, Norwich flew down to Plymouth. Yeah. Right. So there you go. And <laughs> yeah. And you and you think how what what a story that would be now 
is unthinkable. It was yeah. it, it was unthinkable then, but yeah. it, but it would be unimaginable now. I think, and I think I there think... was there was a, a group of footballers. I think maybe from Brazil that that crashed a few years ago, and and that got a lot of coverage. Obviously, that um, the, the the Cardiff City player, yeah, yeah who was yeah. coming over to Cardiff, and and the yeah. stories of that. So it is it is a, it is a absolutely tragic story. And what I find fascinating about it. And it's very similar with Hillsborough as well, is that football returned to normal pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I'll cover that in a moment, John. Because, but the, the, and the other thing that people do talk about, and I, and I remember as well, is that the last game they all played together was on the Saturday afternoon uh, previous at Highbury at Arsenal. Yeah. United were 3-0 up at halftime. Three goals in three minutes, Arsenal equalised. I mean, the place within was in uproar. United regrouped, scored two more, and then Arsenal got another one in reply. They won 5-4. Now, I knew somebody who was at that game, 10 years old, right. uh, who I worked with later, and uh, he um, he was at that game. He, he could never forget it. No. I mean, five of the players in that United team died, and two more never played again. Yeah. And that's half the team. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why... Um, I covered that on this because obviously this was very much part of this leading, if you like, to us playing Manchester United. But going back to what you say, the team were back in action 13 days after the tragedy. Two players who dragged colleagues from that plane played. And I find that fact, I absolutely find that as unbelievable as the story itself. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, and I look back on Hillsborough and the same where Liverpool played literally yes. a week afterwards. Yeah. And I and I think if anything happened and God forbid it doesn't, but if anything happened like that now, I think seasons would be cancelled. Do you? Yeah. Or, or is there this well we've got to carry on is it well that's what I, I, yeah, but I, but I I can't imagine it now. I just I don't I I I find it staggering that, yeah, that football carries on like because like in that scenario you had the situation where Manchester United were playing and that manager was still lying fighting for his life yeah. his life in hospital you know it's... yeah I I find I find it fascinating I, I literally can I, it's unfathomable unfathomable I, I I don't get it I don't yeah. get it at all nothing yeah. the, you know the old phrase football is more is 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 life or death and no it's more important than that. It really yeah. isn't. It really no, no, isn't. No, no, and no, ultimately, no. yes, I know that football is now a business and businesses have to carry on, but it wouldn't be a week. It would be at least a month short. I, yeah, I just I, I just don't get it. But Yeah, yeah. Well, it was so that was the that that was really, you know, really sets the scene for this because but it was and it was just under a year later, of course, that Manchester United were to come to Carroll Road. And despite the tragedy, they had rebuilt to make the FA Cup final three months after the crash. Right. Um, and they um, they they lost that 2-0 to Bolton when the, the Bolton striker uh, barged their goalkeeper holding the ball into the net. But that's a whole, whole other story in the history of football, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but they were still two divisions above us. And when they came here, they'd won eight successive first division matches. Um, before our cup tie. So you can see they were a, a powerful team. So for most of the 38,000 crowd who went to Carroll Road on that Saturday afternoon, who flocked to Carroll Road, were really going to watch 
the opportunity yes. to watch the famous Busby Babes. As you said, their popularity had grown. I, most of my school friends supported Manchester United. Most of people who, who, who hadn't been football supporters knew about Manchester United because of all, everything that happened. Yeah. Um, so, um, so most of the people going along there and the Norwich supporters really were going along to see them rather than roar a team of giant killers to victory. Mm, it's interesting. Now, I thought that was probably the best place to stop today um, and then go on to the game itself in the next episode. Yep, because we may need some more cheering up. We might. <laughs> and really, after you know, after that, 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 that background and all we've talked about the, uh, before, I mean, it, it did become then a, a very special two or three months for Norwich City Football Club, which we didn't have And we will look forward to that. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. Sports Social Podcast Network.